Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Before I moved to Chicago, before COVID hit, I was part of one heck of a girl squad. There were four of us, young professionals, grad students in New York City, and we did all of the things that you might expect a group of late 20s, early 30s friends to do. Weekend brunches and face mask and movie nights and a lot of group texting about our pets. And once COVID hit, we found ourselves living all over the country in the middle of a pandemic, so we kept up our group hangs via weekly Zoom calls, as I know so many of you have done with your friends. So this summer, it was on one of our weekly Zoom calls when my friend Megan started to drop little bits of information about how she was experiencing some weakness in her ankle, and then she was seeing a physical therapist, and then she was getting an MRI, and then she'd been referred to a doctor at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and eventually that she was having spinal surgery and had been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And for those first couple months after her diagnosis, The tumor was something that we actually didn't really talk about. And when we did, we just talked about how Megan was gonna kick its tush. And on Zoom, when we just saw her same fierce haircut, her same big smile, I tried to ignore what I had learned from Dr. Google and try to lean into Megan's desire to focus on the positive. But over the last couple months, as Megan has ping-ponged around the country between clinical trials and treatments, has begun to experience a progressive loss of function in her lower body. She's been put on some really serious pain meds and has spent a lot of time in the hospital. She's had to confront her own insecurities about using a walker, about her waning energy level, about her hair loss and her surgery scars. And of course, she's had to confront her prognosis. Now, I worked as a hospice chaplain in New York City before coming to Mishkan. So I have actual professional training and caring for people who are dying and their loved ones. And still, as I watch my friends suffer the debilitating effects of this cancer, and my friends and I grapple with what that means, how to support her, I just feel so helpless. Like, I don't know what to say or do in the face of this just horrible thing that's happening to my friend. So a few months ago, Megan and I were talking about how frustrating this whole illness has been, how much it sucks to be a 31-year-old person facing this. And I asked her if she wanted me to include her in my prayers for healing. Now, she's not Jewish. She's not even really particularly a religious person at all. But I didn't know what else to say to her, what else to offer, other than to think about her every day when I say the Amidah. So I said, hey, would you want me to pray for healing for you? And sort of to my surprise, she said yes. She said she would really appreciate that. So that is what I have been doing, sort of silently screaming her name out to God as I say the Amidah in hopes of channeling some good vibes her way. And I know that some of you are in the same boat that I'm in with my friend because you email me and Rabbi Lizzie and ask us to include your loved ones in our own personal prayers for healing. I know because many of you share names on Friday nights and at morning minion of who you're thinking of, who needs healing. When someone we love is sick, so many of us feel this instinct to cry out, to pray for healing, even if we're not generally the praying type. 
An illness of a loved one can often be the thing that drives us to go to prayer services when we otherwise might have other plans. We see it in this week's Parsha even that God calls Miriam out for gossiping about Moses and immediately she's stricken with snowy white scales all over her body, Zarat. Aaron appeals to Moshe for mercy and then the Torah says, Vayitzak Moshe el Adonai lemor, el na refana la. Moses cried out, shouted out to God saying, please merciful one, heal her please. Moshe's response actually really surprises me because Moshe talks to God regularly, like every single Parsha, all Parsha. But we don't see a lot of Moses praying in the Torah. Why would he when he has a direct line to God on a daily basis? Yet here in this moment at the end of our Parsha, when his sister is sick, Moshe prays. And he prays the most basic of prayers, just a short cry of heal her, please. Even the great Moshe, the only one who got to know God face to face, is totally knocked backwards by this need for healing. Prayers for healing, they feel different to us. Even when we otherwise feel competent to take care of ourselves, when we know someone who needs healing or when we need it ourselves, we experience this powerlessness that often drives us to cry out, to reach out to do anything we can. So certainly part of healing from physical and mental illness is getting adequate medical care. And as we near the end of Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanna especially give attention to the importance of mental health care, which is just as necessary and life-saving as seeing an internist. Praying for healing is not a substitute for seeking medical care and Judaism feels very strongly that we should seek out any and all physical and emotional and spiritual care we can when we are sick. And Judaism knows that even with the best care teams on our side, even if we ourselves were the most competent healers in the world, even if we were Moshe Rabbeinu and we had a direct access to God, we would still want and need to pray for healing. The Talmud tells a story of a rabbi who would go visit people in their homes when they were sick. And sometimes the rabbi would pray for their healing in Hebrew using the traditional formulation of the prayer. And sometimes he would pray in Aramaic saying, may you have a complete and total healing in the person's own native language. Other rabbis in the Talmud upon recount recounting this story are pretty shocked because they have this tradition that prayers are supposed to be offered in Hebrew because that's the language of the angels who bring our prayers before the Holy One. How could this rabbi pray in Aramaic, they wonder. And then, as the Talmud often does, they answer their own question, saying that prayers for someone who is sick are different from all other prayers in the world. We don't need to worry about those prayers reaching the gates of heaven because the Shekhinah, the Holy Spirit, is already there with those in need of healing. We don't need to address them to the right place. Doing them at all is good enough. It's an re amazing reminder for me also that praying for healing is not about thinking about prayer as a vending machine where we put a prayer for healing in and then we wait for healing to happen. In fact, it's not even really the prayers themselves that matter. 
in Judaism, praying for healing is not a mitzvah. It's not a commandment. But visiting the sick, bikur cholim, is. Praying meets our own emotional needs. It satisfies our yearning to shout out to God all the things that are on our hearts just as they are. Just as Moshe did when Miriam was afflicted with leprosy. Praying for healing addresses our own feelings of hopelessness, but we don't need to worry about its effect in the world. Jewish tradition reminds us that being with the sick addresses their needs. So just after the story in the Talmud of the rabbi who prayed in Aramaic, the Talmud asks another rhetorical question. Okay, so what am I supposed to do when I do Bikur Cholim anyway? And once again, the Talmud answers its own question. It says that we are to enter the room of someone who is sick, to wrap ourselves in a talit, and to sit at the foot of their bed. Not by their head, the Talmud specifies, because the Shekhinah is there. God's holy presence is there with them at the head of the bed. Just sit at their feet, not demanding their attention, not even saying anything necessarily, just sitting in their presence, wrapped up in something holy and comforting. It's so tempting to feel like we need to do something, do the right thing or say the right thing in the face of illness. When we cry out from this deep emotional place, of course, we want to know that our cries have been heard, which might lead us to evaluate praying for healing on a roster of what if the person returns to their original state or not. But what if we reframed our prayers for healing as being about building and sustaining relationships, not about some down the line effect, but about what it does right now. As we learn from Moshe's prayer and from the Talmud, it's actually not about what we say when we pray for healing, but that we say anything at all. We can and should pray if that offers us a lifeline in our hopelessness. And as we lean into the instinct to cry out, we should also allow it to remind us to reach out. There's no good or right thing to say to someone who is sick. There's no right way to respond when someone you love is suffering. But I do continue to think of my friend during my prayers for healing. And I make a point to tell her pretty regularly that I'm praying for her, which seems to have such an amazing effect on her spirit. So if you are also thinking of someone who is in need of healing, I want to invite you to share their name now in the chat, if that is meaningful for you. And maybe also to take a moment to send them a text or jot down a reminder to yourself to call them tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, let them know that you are thinking of them, that you're praying for them, and that you love them, that you are doing Bikur Cholim just by dropping in on their thoughts in this moment. Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. 
Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org slash events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. Until then, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you. This episode has been brought to you by me, Zach Weinberg, our editor and producer, Hannah Rehack, our rabbinical team, Rabbis Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens, and our director of communications, Ashley Donahue. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>